are listening to the Small Biz Chat Podcast, episode 12. Today we're talking to Twitter marketing expert Madeline Sklar about how to use social media to build your business's brand, connect with influencers, and attract leads who already know, like, and trust you. So let's get started. I'm Arielle Hurst. Welcome to the Small Biz Chat Podcast. If this is your first time listening, thanks for stopping by. The Small Biz Chat Podcast is sponsored by Pure Chat, the live chat software for small business and produced for business owners who want to hear some real concrete ways to improve their businesses in less than an hour. Once again, this Small Biz Chat is with Twitter marketing and social media coach Madeline Sklar. And I feel really fortunate to share Madeline's insights with you today because she is a true social media expert who has organically generated over 3,800 connections on LinkedIn, 6,600 Facebook fans, 41,000 Twitter followers, and over 123,000 views on YouTube. Now, in this episode, Madeline not only shares specific tools Twitter offers that will make it easier for your business to attract leads on the platform, she also emphasizes how social media has become the platform where prospects start to know, like, and trust you before they make a purchase. So if you're ready to learn the best tips and tricks on how to maximize your social media presence, stay tuned for my conversation with Madeline Sklar. You know, social media only became ubiquitous in the last few years, but you've been creating online communities way before it was cool. Uh, Can you tell me a little bit about that and how you got started in online marketing and social networking? Sure. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on the podcast. I'm really honored to be here. You know, the internet, I got... I got access to it in 1995, back when it was very, very new before most people I knew were on it or had even heard of it. And I was hooked. I was immediately hooked. And I saw that this could be a platform to connect people worldwide and start a community. So I I didn't have a lot of thought go into it. What I did is I started my own web design company. I was one of the first web designers in Houston. And it was only because a realtor that I worked with called me and I told him that I was, you know, playing around with these web pages. I was learning HTML. And he said, I need one of those. I don't know what this .com is. I just know I need one. And he hired me to do a website for him. And I thought, okay, I could do this as a business. So I started it as a business. And the way my Go Girls music community came about is that I wanted to create a web page where I could play, play with code. Back then, those of us old school web designers, everything was done in a path. You had to type code off the top of your head. You had to really, really no code. There were no programs back then that did it for you. And so when you were on a site and there was something cool, you would right click, view source, and see the code. And and back then everybody copied each other. It's just the way it was. You saw a cool animated GIF on a page and you copied it. Or a cool WAV file, because back then an audio was these big, huge WAV files. And I thought, well, I'll start this community of of reaching out to female musicians. So I called it Go Girls Music. But also it was to play with code. So when I would find a a cool WAV file or GIF file, I would put it on there and just for fun. And it was great. So I was building this online community without even realizing what I was doing. I was just doing this for fun. It was a hobby. It was just something I did on the side. I grew up playing guitar. So I thought, well, this would be neat to connect with other female musicians and see if they go through the same struggles I go through. 
and we could all band together and help each other. But back then, it was a static web page because it wasn't like it is today where it can be so interactive. So it's a static page. You connect it through email. It was just not super easy, but back then, you didn't know anything else, so you thought, well, this was cool. Here I'm on a modem that only connects at 2,400 bits per second, and we thought that was awesome back then. You know, whereas today we're on high-speed internet, and we can connect with people so easily. But it was a cool time. I, I really enjoyed building the community, and here we are 20 years later, and it just blows my mind that I built basically a social network way before we knew what a social network was. Yeah, absolutely. I love hearing that. And it, I really enjoy hearing how people learn to code or learn their trade as well. I know for my generation, we had MySpace pages and it was the same thing. You would go look at the code on someone's MySpace page and that's how you would learn how to do uh, more technical things. And I think that's a really creative way to get involved in design and learn some of these things that you wouldn't typically learn or it's outside your passion area initially. Exactly. But 11 years ago, after you built this community, you became a full-time business coach, and you've had a chance to work with tons of small businesses, and I'm really curious to hear your perspective on that. Like, what are the most common issues that you're seeing when it comes to social media or their web design? Uh, can you give me some feedback on that? Yeah, so many times people come to me because they just don't have time to do it themselves. Like they take the time to learn how, like back in the MySpace days, they were doing MySpace themselves, but they, you know, back then it was like the musicians that did really well. And I was a social media coach and consultant in the music business. So I was helping musicians, um, better maximize their presence. So most times it just came down to time. They just didn't have the time to do it all. So they would look to me for help. And so I spent a lot of time managing accounts for people um, and other types of businesses too. But businesses weren't really into the whole MySpace th thing. It was more for just people on there for fun, as you know. And then uh, the music community was very, very big. Um, but I did have plenty of businesses that you know, came to me that needed help um, with their online marketing, learning how to use their website to drive traffic, you know, from elsewhere over to it. So um, it's evolved a lot over the years. You know, years ago, it was all about doing Google ads. This was before social media when it was really just MySpace and using Google ads and other things to, and your newsletter, of course, newsletter, really important. People do not realize the importance. The thing that I always stress is that your email list is gold. Your email list is where you can connect one-on-one. -on -one. People opt in, which means they want to hear from you. So I've spent a lot of time in the last 11 years educating um, uh, business owners on the importance of having their email addresses that they collect from people and sending out something regularly, letting them know what's going on with them. And that is the best way. Even today, here we are with social media. I love social media. I'm all about it. Yet I know that if I do a tweet right now, a small percentage of people will see it. But if I email the same information, so let's say for an example, an, art, an article. So I've been, uh, I've been on this kick in the last uh, month or so. I've been writing a lot of blog posts and um, I tweet them out. I put them on Facebook. But if I send it out to my newsletter, I get 
way higher conversions off of that because people are going to see it. So I'm always stressing the importance of having the newsletter, having collecting email addresses all the time. It's very, very important. Yeah, definitely. And that, that makes me want to play devil's advocate a little bit though, because uh, my small business owner brain hears, okay, well, email is the highest converting channel that I have. Why would I invest time in all this social media? You know, I do a tweet, no one sees it. What's the big deal? Why would I bother? Right. And I get asked that all the time. That's such a good point because people say, okay, why do I need to be on this site? And then when a new one comes out, it's like, why do I need to get on another site? You know, that was the problem with Google Plus. Nobody wanted to go to Google Plus because we were already on Facebook and everybody was like, what's the point? What am I going to get out of it? Why should I invest my time? And it made perfect sense. I agreed. It's like, okay, yes, it is spending more time on another network. Is it worth it? It's too similar. Whereas Facebook is completely different than anything else. Snapchat is completely different from anything else. Instagram, they all have their thing. Now I'm on all of them. I'm active on all of them, but that's because I'm a crazy social media person who, you know, lives, breathes, eats this stuff all day long, 24 seven. But for the average business owner, I always stress that you need to pick one or two that you can really, really hone in on and spend your time on. And you will get results if you do that. I'm a big advocate for Twitter. And when I teach people how to better use it, especially right now with the course I'm teaching, it's called Tweeting for Profits. And what I'm teaching is the mindset of the big picture of everything you do, every little thing you do can monetize, you know, in the big picture and knowing what are these little things that you need to be doing. Things like, you know, something as, as simple as a Twitter card, which a lot of people don't even know you can do, but a Twitter card is something you can do to collect email addresses. And that can be really powerful to build your mailing list using Twitter. So there's so many things that you can do with your social media if you educate yourself and know what are the things that you can do that will help drive more traffic to your website and bring you more business. Yeah, definitely. What is the balance? I'm, I'm thinking about, from again, from a business perspective, what's the, the balance between doing ads and just creating content organically or posting organically to a site like Twitter. Which, which are you going to do better with or what's the balance that you should be, you should be oh, that's, creating? That's a really, really good question. You know, Twitter ads are okay. I'm not a huge, huge fan. And it's because over the years, whenever I do Twitter ads, I, I just don't, and I don't know if it's just me, I just don't get really great results from it. I get great results when I am on Twitter chats. I always tell people, if you want to organically get new followers and connect with amazing people, go seek out Twitter chats. I talk about this all the time. I tweet about it. I write about it. I, my podcast is all about it. Twitter chats are the best. If you didn't add and you go spend one hour on a Twitter chat, I guarantee you, you will get so much more out of that Twitter chat. I absolutely agree. Uh, but I do think we recently hosted a Twitter chat with Dan Tyre from HubSpot and even within our own team, we're like, oh, we're doing a Twitter chat with Dan Tyre. It's super exciting. And our team was like, what's a Twitter chat? So would you mind going over that for me? Sure, sure. Twitter chats are great. And basically, in the simplest way of describing it, there's a hashtag. And I'll do the example of my Twitter chat. I run one every Wednesday, uh, every Thursday. It's called Twitter Smarter. So hashtag Twitter Smarter. We meet for one hour 
every Thursday at one o'clock Eastern. So you get on Twitter or you can use Hootsuite. I use tweetchat.com. There's, there are other platforms that will help. But one way or the other, you get yourself onto Twitter, you go to that hashtag at that time. And for one hour, it's a bunch of people that just all come in and we chat, we collaborate. And it depends on the chat. Most of them are Q&A style. And that's how mine is, where we typically have a guest and we ask eight questions. And everybody's invited to answer the questions as well, because we're a community. What, what I did with my chat, and they're all different. You have to kind of get on them and see what they're all about. With my, my chat, is all about everybody coming on and sharing your two cents, helping to let people better understand how to use Twitter with, with a variety of Twitter tips. People come on and say they just sit there and watch it for the hour and learn so much. They're taking notes. They get a lot out of it. Then you get people like me that are Twitter experts or uh, Twitter marketing professionals, you know, people that work with people on Twitter. And they come on and they share their expert advice. And then you got like just social media marketers that may maybe are not Twitter experts, but they know enough where they are able to come on and answer the questions. And you just get just an hour of complete value. It's, it's like getting free training every week. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I've had some great uh, experiences from Twitter chats. And thinking about it from uh, the brand side, uh, one Twitter chat that I participated in, I made a reference in one of my tweets. I was just a random participant. I made a reference to how to eat a frog. And HP was hosting the Twitter chat. And they actually, during the Twitter chat, created a graphic of how to eat a frog and tweeted it back to me. And I just thought that was the coolest thing. It was a great brand connection. Um, that is awesome. I yeah, love it. But that's what they did as a host. Can you have the same impact if you're just participating as a business in a Twitter chat? Well, you can. I mean, when you're participating in a Twitter chat, you can get on there and share your advice. You know, you can make the time to real quickly. And I've seen people do this, jump on Canva and go take a one liner somebody just said and go make a little graphic out of it and then go post it during the chat and just wow everybody because it shows that you're listening and you want to share the great advice as being said. Um, so there's so much you can do as both a, a, just a listener that's, that's listening to what's being said and also as an active participant. Definitely. And another question comes to mind with that. Um, so when I've been participating in Twitter chats, I've also had the opportunity uh, when I'm tweeting from Pure Chat and when I'm tweeting as myself to connect with a lot of times influential people who are also tweeting on the same Twitter chat. And so I make a connection with them there, but afterwards I'm not really sure how to maintain that relationship. It's like for a second we know who each other we know who each other is, but then it kind of dissipates. Do you have any advice on how to maintain that relationship and foster it a little bit more even after the Twitter chat's over? Absolutely. And I can even tell a story, a great story about that. There's a really awesome chat that I love to get on. It's called Influencer Chat. It's every Tuesday at eight o'clock Eastern and it's put on by three powerhouses on Twitter. It's Rebecca Radice, Ann Tran, and Diana Adams. Individually, these are top social media experts, but they get on collectively to run this chat every week. And the, Ann Tran knew who I was. She She's retweeted me from time to time, and I'm really good at staying on her radar through Twitter by just 
you know, doing the typical favoriting and, well, you know, liking. I'm still, I'm still saying favoriting. I got to get used to saying liking instead. I still, you know, the heart star thing, still trying to get used to that. Um, but when you do that regular, regularly with an influential person on Twitter, you get on their radar. And it's so important to do if you want them to notice you and you want to connect with them. Well, Rebecca and Diana didn't know me as well. So I started getting in the habit of retweeting their stuff, liking their stuff, and just responding and having conversation. Well, something interesting happened a few months ago. They they got on Blab for the first time. And I know not everybody's familiar with Blab yet. It's one of the newer platforms for live streaming video. It's an amazing platform. Um, they hosted after, and this is common, we're starting to see this more and more, after the Twitter chat, they hosted a live chat on Blab immediately following to use the opportunity to connect with people even more. And so I got on that Blab and I got the opportunity to get onto one of the seats. There's only four seats. So there was three of them. They opened up one of the seats. I was lucky enough to get on there so they could see me on video. It's like Skype. It's like Skype with four people in a chat room. And by them seeing me and we're talking and I'm telling them how awesome they are, like from then on, Rebecca Radice and Diana Adams were like, they, they knew, knew exactly who I was and they talk about me from time to time. And whenever I see them on Twitter or Facebook, I'll like something, I'll comment something. Rebecca always responds back even on Facebook and just, oh, it's so great to see you, Madeline. Just because I made that effort to get in front of them in, in other ways, like not just through the Twitter chat. You got to find ways to get in front of people so they notice you. And that can go a really long way with somebody of influence. Yeah, absolutely. And I like what you're saying about trying to get in front of them. I think one of the things that's kind of frustrating when you hear about influencer marketing in general, which is, you know, a very popular new term, like you need to leverage influencers. I think it really is always, the conversation's always focused on what you were talking about at the beginning oh, we'll just retweet their stuff. Oh, just reply to them. But that doesn't really make the full jump to a personal connection. Finding a way to truly get in front of them, uh, like you were talking about, I think is what makes that difference and creates a real relationship that doesn't feel so artificial, like it's going through Twitter. Absolutely. And Blab is such a great way to do that. I think Blab is going to be the big standout platform in 2016. This year, it was Periscope. And, and still, there are a ton of people I talk to that don't know what Periscope is. So it's not mainstream, but it's getting there. But I really feel like Blab is going to be the next big thing because I was able to have these ma amazing connections with influencers just by getting on these blabs. I host my own, so people come on mine and they have the opportunity to come chat with me. I use mine to share Twitter tips. I mean, pretty much everything I do today is revolving around Twitter. And it's a great platform for doing that. But there are other ways. You know, you get an influencer who blogs regularly. You go and share the blog post. What I do, and, and, and this is something I teach in all of my courses it's a great piece of advice to give out now um, to get on the radar with influencers other than just retweeting or liking something. When they write an article and that article resonates with you and you want to share it to your Twitter followers, what so many people do, well, I want to rephrase that, what so many people don't do is they don't tag people. And I always stress, if you're not tagging somebody, they don't know you're talking about them. So whenever I see a really great article and I want to share it on Twitter, I take a few extra moments to go look up that person, go find their Twitter handle. Usually it's 
on the article it's, itself. Um, when it's not, then I go and I'll Google them or find some way to track them down. And I can track down about, I would say, 80 to 90%. You can track somebody down that writes an article and put them in the tweet. It's so incredibly important. When you do that, gets on their radar. And I can tell you nine out of 10 times that person not only likes the tweet and will do the like, they'll respond to me and thank me for, for tweeting their article. So that can go a really long way with getting on the radar from somebody who's influential that you're trying to connect with. Absolutely. I think that's a really good point about some of these little things that you can do that can pack a lot more punch into the tweets that you do post. So you're totally, you're totally right about that. And I'm also, so I'm wondering, we're talking about influencers, uh, but typically you businesses are talking to influencers because they want to reach that influencers audience because they ultimately want to generate leads from social, social media. Is this mindset that I'm going to generate leads from social media, is it correct? And if so, how can small businesses be doing that even more efficiently? You can definitely uh, generate leads from social media. I do it every day just from posting, whether it's on Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn or you know, uh, it, um, uh, Instagram. I just did a really long, right, right before we started this podcast, I did this really long one on Instagram. I usually don't do long form um, uh, posts with my images. It's usually just short and to the point. But I was talking about, is, is what I talked about on the Twitter chat today, one of the questions I asked everybody was, what is your word? for 2016. Pick a word and own it and make that something that you're going to do. And my word for this year was conquer. And I just wrote up a really long piece that explains why I chose that word, what it's doing for me and all the great things that have come from it this year. And I put that up on Instagram and using these different platforms to get that message. Now by doing something, you know, people might go, okay, well, so what, you know, so what Madeline, what's that going to do for you? Somebody's going to read that and it's going to make them, they're going to go, wow, she's being really transparent. She's being really real. She knows what she's talking about. And this is somebody I want to do business with. That's what happens when you do this. I, what I see a lot of business owners doing is they're getting on social media and they're just, it's almost like they're just on some kind of autopilot. They're just posting posting, but not really thinking about what they're posting. Um, this post that I just did on Instagram was very well thought out. As I was typing this, I was trying to have an explanation of this, this concept of picking a word. And then I gave out three examples of how this year it paid off with the podcast, my Twitter chat, and I got a mentorship with Michael Stelzner, who's the CEO and founder of Social Media Examiner. That is huge for my career. And I owe all of this to picking this word, having it on a post-it on my computer where I see it every day. And so having a plan when you're on social media and really thinking about what is your message, what are you trying to share with people? I use Instagram to let people see the real side of me. I use Twitter to share lots of valuable information that will help people and on Facebook, I will let people know about, you know, what I'm up to and sharing you know, information about my courses and my chats and my podcasts. And through all of that, people get to know me. And, it, you know, when it comes to business, you get business when people know, like, and trust you. 
And it can be done on social media. People say, oh, I, I can't figure out how to do it on social media. So that's the thing I try to teach is I think what happens is business owners get on there and they want immediate results. And it doesn't work like that. I, one of the things we talked about on the Twitter chat today, the first question I asked was, how long have you been on Twitter? And I've been on Twitter since March of 2008. I've been on Twitter for a really, really long time. And it took me a long time to build up and get that no like, and trust factor working for me through the way I tweet. So today I get most of my business through my Twitter. That definitely makes sense. And I think what you're saying, uh, first of all, I love the conquer thing and congratulations on your mentorship Thank you. Uh, from social media examiner. That's super exciting. And one of the things I love about what you're saying, and I was incredibly intrigued, you're talking about conquer. I'm like, oh, I need to go find that Instagram post. But the reason I was thinking that is because it feels very personal and it feels very authentic. And I think one thing small businesses, small business owners don't always take the time to do is create that personality for their business and really define their brand. Do you have you helped small business owners do that at all so they can better convey that personality on social media? Yeah, we look at like, you know, what they're currently doing and then work up a plan of how they can better do this. I love doing brainstorm sessions. I love, you know, looking at what they're doing, look at the big picture and then honing in on what they're doing, you know, post by post and what can they do to make this work for them. But so many times what I see, it boils down to, they just need the education. They just need to learn these variety of tips that will help them do things better. I mean, what, you know, I just take, it's so funny, you know, doing this day in and day out for so many years and people calling me the expert, I just assume everybody knows how to do what I know how to do. And I have to remind myself, most people don't. And so I will ask them, well, you know, do you know about this? Do you know about that? And they say, no, I didn't even know you could, you know, get on Twitter and do this thing called Twitter card and, and be able to collect email addresses. And people say, I didn't know I, my analytics are on there. You know, Twitter analytics are available for everybody. You just get on your profile you click on the little pull-down menu at the top right of the screen, and you're going to see it says analytics. And there are some really great statistics in there that will help you. This is one of the things I'm teaching in my new course, too, is we went through this step-by-step step and talked about how you can use this to help you better strategize the way you're using Twitter. You know, having all these stats in front of you, it tells you month by month, what's your top tweet? Who was the top mention? Um, who's your top follower? All these different things that can really help you, especially when you look at things like the top, top follower and the top mention, you'll usually get influencers in there. Um, at least that's been my experience. So that's an opportunity to use that information, which you may not have noticed in your Twitter feed, um, I, I look at mine from uh, November, my top mention, I, I had interviewed Mari Smith, who's one of the top social media experts. She's like top Facebook expert. I interviewed her for my podcast and there was a tweet. She actually promoted the tweet. It wasn't just a retweet, which she also did, but she actually tweeted it out. And that became my top mention with the most engagement for November. And I may not, not have noticed that at the time. If I didn't look, you know, on your tweets, you now can look at individual stats on each one if you just go click on it. Um, but uh, in here in the analytics, on the analytics page itself, you use basically a snapshot of all the top things. So there's so much value in here. So I'm always 
showing people how to do all this so that they can better strategize and make all of this work for them. So they get something out of it and they're not so frustrated with it not working for them. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, one of the things that you brought up, I'm glad you brought it up again, was Twitter cards. I feel like they're a tool in particular that's really focused on lead generation and so valuable to businesses. But like you said, not everyone knows what that is. So would you mind explaining and going into detail a little bit about what Twitter cards are and how they can be effectively used by small businesses? Sure. I think one of the issues with Twitter cards that so many people don't understand with this is it's part of the ad platform on Twitter. So you have to go through the ad platform. You don't have to pay for an ad. Uh, of course, you could promote these and, and pay, but, but basically you get on there um, into the ad section and that's where all of this is. And you go in and Twitter... Twitter does not always give you a lot of information on the how-tos, but when it comes to the Twitter cards, they actually have a whole developer section, and there's lots and lots of information, and there's actually a variety of cards. They have one that's called a summary card that's just a real simple with a title, description, and a thumbnail. It's, it's basically like when you do a tweet. And then they have one where you can have a large image. Um, you can have one that's uh, a gallery of photos. One that's really cool for people that, that do apps that, um, you know, have apps and I've worked with people that have, um, have developed apps for the app store and they actually have one specifically an app card that I think is really great. And they have one for people that have, uh, the video games, uh, they have a player card and then product cards. There's, there's just a variety in there. And, um, I think it would be, very helpful, and I can provide a link for you to share in the show notes, um, that this could be really helpful for people that want to learn more about it and uh, give this a try. I think they'll get a lot out of it. Yeah, that would be super helpful. I know, first of all, actually, I'm embarrassed to say I didn't know that you could create Twitter cards without promoting them. I thought that it was required that you had to pay to create those. So that was good learning for me. <laughs> um, and also, I mean, one of the great things is that Twitter cards let you have a call to action button on Twitter, which is fantastic because sometimes everything, in regular tweets, everything has to be a text link. So it's nice to have that opportunity to really call out what you're hoping people will do on Twitter. Exactly, exactly. So if anybody wants to check this out, you know, get on Twitter. And again, it's in the pull down menu, you click on ads. Now, the very first time you do this, it's going to ask you for a credit card. At least it did. I don't know. Maybe I'm hoping they change that because I think that's a deterrent for so many people. It doesn't mean you have to purchase any ads. They just want to have that in their system. So if you do, they want to make it real easy for you to run an ad. So if you decide, hey, I want to promote this tweet, I can just click a button and it's a done deal. So I think that's their reasoning behind it. But once you get that set up, you have just... Uh, an amazing array of information in here. This is where the analytics used to be. They, they still are in there. You can access it in your pull-down menu now, but if you go into the ad section, there's a whole entire section broken down into the analytics. And it's more than just that snapshot I was telling you about. Um, I, I don't know if you've seen this, but this is brand new on Twitter. They Not everybody has it yet, but by the time this podcast out, everybody should have it. When you're at twitter.com on a browser, at, on the right side of your screen, as you start scrolling down, you'll see it now says your tweet activity. I think this is a really, really brilliant move on their part. They're showing you um, the number of impressions on your tweets in the last 24 hours. So mine right now is showing me in the last 24 hours, 
from yesterday at this time to today, I've had 62,000 impressions on my tweets. And then there's a link that says view your top tweets. And this takes you to a place in the analytics uh, section through the ad platform. And it shows you this is a really great page. And we've all have had access to this for quite a while now. It's just, again, it goes back to people not realizing it's there. But this page is great because it takes you to your top tweets and it lets you know which tweets were the best performing. And I looked at, I was looking on mine last night and I hadn't been on this page in a while. And I was looking at now that we can access it from our homepage of Twitter. This is, I I just wrote an article about this. Like this is going to help us so much. Now more and more people will see this. They'll, they can click on it and look at this and use it to strategize. So last night I was looking at mine and going, okay, I have a tweet that I did. It shows, my top tweet was from November 22nd and it showed that my, the, the number of impressions was 3,159. Uh, 3, so 3,100 impressions are how many profiles could have seen this? How many profiles did this show up on? And the engagement was 22. So that just means, you know, 22 to, when you add up the likes and the links, the click links and, and all the different things people could have done. So this particular article, it's like, okay, I need to go repost that article. I want to go share it again because first time around, it got a lot of impressions. Doesn't mean it's going to happen again. It might fall flat, but I can use this to strategize and see what resonated with people. The second one was an Anthony Robbins quote or Tony Robbins. And everybody loves, every time I post a Tony Robbins quote, people go crazy. And this one generated 3000 impressions with 14 engagement. So that tells me my audience likes this. So this can be so incredibly helpful. And that's why I'm so glad this is now being on the main page on Twitter. People will see this, they can click on it and it'll open up this page. And, and I hope people will look at this and strategize with it. Definitely. I'm, I'm glad you pointed that out. Unfortunately, I don't have that new feature yet, so I guess I'll have to wait until the new year. Um, but I'm glad that you're talking about looking at some of these things that Twitter provides you. And I think one thing that can be challenging for marketers and small business owners is which metrics matter or what should I be looking at to improve my performance? Top rated tweets, definitely one. Can you think of another that uh, small business owners should really be paying attention to? Sure. Um, there's another one on here that says tweets and replies. And, um, and that one is, is, I mean, they, they give you a variety in here. Um, everything from like just your tweets from chronological order that you can look at to the top tweets I was just mentioning. Um, but they have this other one called tweets and replies and that looks new. I don't remember seeing that one before. So that one's focusing in more on, you know, people replying. Um, so that can be really helpful. I have, uh, mine at the top here is a tweet that I've done that's very, very popular. I call it my Twitter secret sauce to success. It's actually pinned to the top of my Twitter feed. So that way it's very visible. People can see it when they come over to my Twitter page or on mobile. And I've left it up there since October because I get some kind of response every day from it. And that's another thing I'm teaching in my course is using a pinned tweet to gauge what you, what your audience wants from you or what resonates with them. And that can be really, 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 really helpful in using Twitter to help monetize it. Yeah, that's a fantastic suggestion. I love little uh, tips like that to sort of optimize what you're doing because I do feel like on social media, it is the little things that matter like tweeting influencers, pinning tweets, 
uh, using Twitter cards, for example, all of those things are kind of what uh, puts you over into the realm where you're able to generate leads and it doesn't feel like you're just putting out and getting nothing back. Exactly. And then there's another new feature, the Twitter polls. Have you done that one yet? No, I only just heard about that, but I'm curious to hear what you think. It's very cool. If people go over to my website at MadelineSklar.com, I've written some articles about all these things we're talking about. Um, I have an article about the Twitter polls. That just started in late October, and it's really cool because you can pull your audience about anything. And it can be anything from just for fun. Uh, when I was doing my live class the other night, I wanted to show an example. So I just did a real simple and then I just put, um, the tweet was, you know, do you like dot, dot, dot. And for the answers, I put pie, cake, or neither just for fun. And people that see it can just click on the answer on the response they want to give. And this will run for 24 hours. And what happens after the 24 hours are up, you get a notification letting you know that it's run. So you can go click on it and see the results. People that clicked on it will get an instant response and see the, the result, what the current result is. And I think that's really cool. So, you know, how can you use this to, to monetize and to help your business? Um, the very first one I did when this came out in October, I said, if you had to pick one, and at the time when Twitter first launched it, they only gave you the option to put two responses in, which wasn't that great because it's kind of hard to gauge. Like all you can really do is like a yes or no or, or two items. They, they changed it to four, which is so much better. But the first one, I said, if you had to pick one, I put Twitter or Instagram. I knew because this was Twitter and uh, my followers are very big on Twitter, I knew that would win out and it did. 86% chose Twitter, but that can be really helpful. I'm just trying to explain this in a way where people now can just start having the wheel spin of like, okay, what kind of poll could you put out to ask your audience? Yeah, that's a great way to connect with the community and figure out what they're thinking, especially because sometimes it can be annoying to always send surveys through, via email or through other mediums. So that's a little bit more of an informal way where people can just elect to fill it out or not. Exactly. And I want to point out it is anonymous. So people are more inclined to do it because it's not going to, it's not going to let me know. It's not going to let the public know. Nobody can see who's doing it. It's all anonymous. It's all about the responses. That's great to know. Now, one question that I'm wondering about is, okay, so we're trying all this different stuff on Twitter, right? We're incorporating polls now. We're using Twitter cards. As a small business owner, how do I know, what should I be looking at to know if I'm successful? Is it, the, is it how big a portion of the pie social has when I look at my Google Analytics channels? Like what metrics should I be using to determine whether or not I'm successful? Well, I think knowing whether or not you're successful, it depends on what, what you define as success. Now, for me, even though I'm a business owner, and yes, I do want to make money, I really define my success on the connections I make. I find relationships to be so important because in the end, it will lead to me having a profitable business if I'm doing things right, and I am. Um, so that's what is important to me. So Google Analytics, while they're very, very important, and I'm not telling anybody to dismiss that, but for me personally, I don't look at my Google Analytics and go, okay, I'm successful on Twitter because my numbers show that. I'm successful on Twitter because I make these amazing connections and most of them come from me participating in Twitter chats. I make a point of 
not only running my own, but participating in about two or three Twitter chats a week. And one of the things I talk about in my latest podcast, uh, my latest blog post about that is I make the reference to cheers and saying that when you are active on a Twitter chat, it's like being normal on cheers where everybody knows your name. And it's so incredibly true. I mean, every chat that I've run, we spend the first 10 minutes or so just saying hello and catching up with each other because it becomes a community of people. That's fantastic. I love that. And I think I, I had a podcast interview with Justin Wise, who also does social media for small businesses. And when we talk about sort of how do you measure success of social media, it, we always come back to the phrase uh, that Gary Vaynerchuk say, says, which is, how do you measure the ROI of your mom? You can't. You can't measure all of the benefits that you get from these relationships or this relationship that you've spent time building. It's not just a direct, this is how many website visitors I've gotten a lot of it is a feeling and a lot of it is those connections that you can't quantify. So I think that's a great point, what you're saying. Absolutely. And I'm a big, big fan of Gary Vaynerchuk. Uh, we share a lot of the same ideals when it comes to online marketing. Um, so yeah, that's him saying that is like exactly my philosophy with all of this. I'm all about relationships. I think that if people would, would spend a little bit more time on the relationship and less worrying about how much money they're making this quarter, I think that they'll be amazed at how much more they'll get out of social media. Absolutely. Now, my final question for you is, um, this, about this time of year, we're always hearing and reading blog posts that are top trends for the years to come. So top trends of 2016. It's 2016 and I'm wondering, what are you most excited about for the future of social media, maybe Twitter specifically, and the future of social media for businesses in particular? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, for Twitter... You know, ever since Jack took over Twitter, like, you know, he's back as CEO, I don't know if you've noticed, but it seems like Twitter is making changes every other day. Twitter used to, like, make no updates, no changes. Of all the social media, you really didn't have to worry about Twitter updates. And in the past couple of months now, every time you look, there's something new. This this new Twitter activity on your home screen I saw it for the first time last night, like it just popped up out of nowhere. I asked people on my Twitter chat today and about half of them have it too now and the other half don't have it yet. So it's, it's new and it's like every week there's something new. So it's, um, so my prediction is, you know, they're doing so many new things that I think we're going to, they're going to continue to keep. I think they're just trying to make Twitter more interesting and trying to keep people on here, like for them to stay on here and not dismiss it as an important platform. So I think we're just going to keep seeing more and more of these things and hopefully they'll all be positive and not negative. Once again, that was Twitter marketing expert and social media consultant, Madeline Sklar. Today, I wanted to let you know that Madeline is offering 25% off a coaching call to all our listeners with the code PureChat. If your business doesn't have the budget to hire a full-time social media manager, or if you're looking for one-on-one -on -one help from an expert, visit madelinesklar.com hire to take advantage of this deal. You can also reach Madeline on Twitter at Madeline Sklar, that's Madeline, M-A-D-A-L-Y-N, Sklar, S-K-L-A-R. As always, we'd love it if you'd tweet us at Arielle Hurst or at PureChat. And check out blog.purechat.com for other actionable small business advice. If you enjoyed today's episode, please feel free to rate the Small Biz Chat podcast on iTunes. 